Blog Talk Radio. Net, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Just whether you're on your smartphone, uh, laptop, desktop, wherever you are, wherever you, wherever you may be, just go to the search window and type in the Clown Times. Get a sponsor of the You can find me there as well. We got a lot to get into tonight. We're going to actually discuss the NFL draft. And since I live in Cincinnati, and since uh, also there have been a lot of talk about. Um, you know, Joe Burrow possibly not wanting to play for the Bengals, or even so that some people think that there's a better quarterback. He should be taken number one overall before Joe Burrow. So we're going to talk about that with my guy from Lock on Bengals. He's a contributor to Lock on Bengals, Andre uh, Edwards. And we're going to cap up the podcast with some more discussion about um, this past weekend's match, which featured uh, – uh, Tyson Fury just beat the dog pissed out of uh, Deontay Wilder. So we're going to talk about that as well with my uh, my partner, Dwayne Nash, from the Yardstash HBCU Sports. We rap about all things HBCU Sports. But and anyway, so, you know, it, <laughs> I said earlier I live in Cincinnati. It, it, it's a trip, man. It's that people here, I mean, you got to understand the four fans here in Cincinnati, it's like they – They've been shitted on so many times for so long since the nineteen since the end of the eighties, which was the last few the, the last decade of the Bengals glory years as we knew it. Um it, 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 uh, there's always that cautious optimism at the most here since the forgettable draft since the the, the, the uh, forgettable nineties. It's like you know, uh, it's just right after the 1990 season where they last won a playoff game, by the way. They've been having losing season after losing season after losing season. And when they started winning again underneath Marvin Lewis by early this, this, this uh, well, this, this last decade, I should say, it was still cautious optimism. And, you know, even though they still did well, it's like people didn't show up because they didn't like Mike Brown, the owner, and it's, hell, it's hard to blame them. I mean, because, um, you know, he's cheap. 
They have the smallest scouting department by far. This is the point where the assistant coaches have to do a lot of scouting. And, you know, as you all know, you know, scouting is the lifeblood of the NFL. And if you can't scout, if you can't out, adequately scout players, then, I mean, it's, it's you know, you're pretty much stuck in a rut. So the Bengals have been that way since, since, since uh, Paul Brown, the founder and the former coach of the Bengals, since his passing, and which, you know, was coincided in, in the early 90s because he was a football guy, unlike Mike Brown, who's more in the business, and to finesse in the county and the city out of town for a stadium that was, or was just only going to be used eight, eight times out of a year. But that's not a you know that. That's another podcast, another time. So, uh, anyway, um, I think uh, I met with any, like Andre Edwards is going to try and join us soon. So, I'm going to still talk some more. Just give me all the backdrop of why this Joe Burrow and Bengals news and the sixth station with other news with the media is is so it's just so it's so it's so laughable to me. You know, it's just like I mean, you have people like Colin Cowherd. I mean, I'm a fan of his, by the way, big fan of his. But he came out and and and, and joked on the Bengals infrastructure and wondering why a guy like like Joe Burrow would want to sign with want to be drafted by them, and you know can't argue with, you can't argue with with um with uh, calling on that because I mean he's speaking of facts. The Bengals supported one. They're 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 chaotic, not maybe not to the level of the Cleveland Browns, but still they're chaotic. They 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 cheat, and you know they still don't even have a practice facility. I mean, if you were to drive, if you were to drive in from the airport, right, from Northern Kentucky, because the airport for some reason is Kentucky, but not in Cincinnati. But anyway, you drive in on the Bridge Bridge Bridge, uh, which is seventy five seventy one. You drive up that bridge into the city, which is a beautiful downtown, by the way. And, you, you, and if you drive past where you get where you break when you when you drive over the Ohio River, the stadium is right at the river. Okay on the Ohio side, obviously. And during football season, still out, out beside the other side of the stadium, you would see, <clears throat> excuse me, players practicing outside in the elements during the season, during the week of, 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 of the regular season. So, yeah, so basically it could be snowing, it could be raining. They either get it in or they don't get it in. So, again, it gives you an idea of what fans are dealing with when it comes to the frugality or the flout cheapness of Mike Brown and the Bengals organization. So, those are facts. And, you know, my, mind you, I'm a big Steelers I grew up a Steelers fan, so it's laughable to me. I'm, I laugh every <laughs> most, most regular season since I've been here. Um, but, at any rate, I mean, then – you know, even 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 during the winning years of of of, of the Marvin Lewis era, people didn't show for games because again they wait for the other shoe to drop, and it's, it must drop precipitously. The, this past season, when they almost went for an over, the Bengals did by way to finish two or fourteen, still nabbed the window, still qualified for the number one pick, and you know this, I mean, unless Mike Brown goes into a a, 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 a brain has a brain seizure. He, they're probably going to take Joe Burrow. And so, what others like Colin Calhoun and others like Dan Patrick, uh, I, I, 
I don't I don't know. I, I don't want to speak out of this, but I think um the odd couple with with uh Chris Broussard and um and uh what's his face? God his his name. Rob Parker, um and a few others, um, have have have, have opined that, you know, maybe Burrow would actually pull an Eli Manny and before that John Elway uh, for those of you of a certain age like me, in the mid-'80s when, we, when he refused to sign with the Indianapolis Colts, threatened to sit out a year and play baseball, and instead got traded to the Broncos, as I said, the rest is history. And for those who don't remember about Eli Manning, did the same thing. He was originally drafted by the Chargers because the Chargers had a number one pick that year, the 2004 draft, and ended up being traded to the Giants at the, at the Eli and his dad, uh, Archie Manning, the great Archie Manning, that uh, no, we're not gonna, we're not going to live in San Diego, um, and that was before. That was while San Diego was still trying to get out of being, time out the rest of being a dumpster fire at that time. So it's been done before, and a lot of people either thought that it would maybe done again or should be done again. And I'm like this. I mean, Joe Burrow said the right things, first of all, right? He said that, you know, he wants to play who, for whoever drafts him. And he, and for words worth, he is an Ohio guy. His dad coached at um, 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 Ohio University. You know, he, and Burrow was also a Mr. Football, and I think he was a Mr. Basketball as well, of, of Ohio. Um, so, you know, growing up in Athens, while his dad coached at the, I think he still is coaching at at at, at, at Ohio U. Um, and he, of course, I mean, it was stand the reason that Burrow would want to be that savior, if you will, and um, you know, uh, save the Bengals from oblivion, similar to what um, Terry Bradshaw did with the Steelers in the early 1970s. Mind you, Bradshaw. It was not a net of Pittsburgh, per se, but he was the savior. I mean, one could easily say that he was because, I mean, it was in that time when it took him, granted, it took him a while, it took him like three, four years, but after he found his, finally found his foot underneath him, he was able to resurrect the Steelers franchise to win four Super Bowls in six seasons and to become a Hall of Famer and, you know, to put the Steelers in a more, uh, more positive light to the point where they've become, or they are, now one of the flagship franchises in the NFL, so you know it could be done, and maybe Joe Burrow would do the same thing too, because you know if he did the way he did in college, he may be able to do it in the pros, albeit it's college, but he still in the SEC. But speaking of which, this whole notion of we were talking about uh, Viola, uh, probably butchered his last name, but anyway, being better than Joe Burrow, I mean. All I got to say about that is this. I understand, and I understand the whole thing about projections and expectations and and, 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 uh, and, and what have you done lately kind of thing. And, then, you know, your resume, as, as Shannon Sharp always says on Undisputed, you're always updating your resume. I get that. But Joe Burrow could easily call Scoreboard over a tour because one of two reasons. For one, he beat him head-to-head in the SEC because LSU, for those who don't know, and Alabama play in the same division in the SEC, which means that they have to play each other every year. So when LSU went to Tuscaloosa and just put over 50 points 
on Bama's defense. Granted, Bama's defense did not play up to her status as, as, as they have done the past few seasons. Um, I, I get, I grant you that. I mean, they were down the bill on defense. I get that, but they're still Alabama, and they still are full of players that we'll be seeing on Sundays to come. Okay, so for 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 um, for Burrow to go down there and to wreck shot the way he did, it's it's just you know it's crazy. But anyway, now um, I'll bring y'all in the, uh, the, the the my aforementioned guy who's going to speak on the morning Bengals. You can find him like as a contributor on Lotham Bingles on LotomBingles dot com. The one and only my fraternity brother and lion brother, by the way, Andre Edwards. Brother man, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> you know what? I almost got nauseous talking all this bingo stuff without having someone else on with me. After I almost started laughing on 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 the air. So it's a good thing that you did catch me. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was it was good it was good it's good for the soul man it's good for the soul it's good for you well i you know i'm starting to think that you did the show on purpose cracking up laughing on, on the air um yeah anyway man let's talk shop stands um look dude all this talk as I said earlier about, you know, people from the damn patches of the world to the Colin Cowherds to I think the odd couple with Chris Broussard and, and Rob Parker and a few others have said that, well, first let's just focus on this, that said that Joe Burrow should pull Eli Manning and John Elway and threaten to sell out the season if, the, if your beloved Bengals did pick uh, 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 Burrow within the more overall pick, which I think they will. So, a lot of Bengals fans on the media have been, like, saying, seriously, dude? And a few other fans are like, why would he do such a thing? He was an Ohio boy. He grew up in Athens. His dad coached at Ohio University still, if I'm not mistaken, as an assistant coach. He's Ohio boy through and through. Why would they put put that seed in his head? So, basically, give me your thoughts on the media being so – and so fascinated with the idea of Burrow threatening to to sit out if the Bengals do select him with the number one overall pick. First of all, it's the off season, right? There's nothing to talk right. about. Right. What else? What else are you gonna talk right. about, right? And usually, the number one pick is you know going to some team years, and so hey, this team is on the come. You know, you get the the Arizona right. Cardinals. You get the the darlings of uh, the last offseason, the Cleveland Browns, you know, uh, drafting Baker Mayfield a couple years ago. And so everybody gets all excited. Now you look and you're like, man, the Bengals had a first pick. First of all, nobody cares about the Bengals. Nobody really likes the Bengals when it comes to, you know, from a media perspective, right? Like, they're just not – they're not fun to talk about. You don't have a crazy owner. You don't have a Jerry Jones. You don't have a Dan Snyder. You don't have, you know, a stoic owner like the Roonies. I mean, you, you legit, like Mike Brown, most of the time is usually the punchline to some terrible joke. And so you look up and you're like, great, the Bengals had the first pick. And not only that, you get a kid who has been nothing but a media darling the entire year, right? I mean, 
super mm-hmm. calm, super chill, Joe Cool, wins the Heisman, wins the national championship, you know, does all of these things and does it with this air about him that's like, man, he can't go to Cincinnati. Nah, man, come on, we can't. No, well, no, we can't have this kid go to Cincinnati. But, you know, and then you just start looking for lines. Me, that's exactly what happened. It's, you know, Woody pulling Elway. Well, let's go back and look at the Elway situation. Elway had baseball, and Elway could get right. drafted and go play baseball and have that. For, to my knowledge, uh, Joe Burrow does not play baseball, nor would he have a chance of being drafted. Right? Right. Um, you look at the Eli, situa- Eli uh, Manning situation, it essentially, you know, you're coming from one of the families with all of this pool and all of this power within the, the, the NFL to really, you know, make this happen. I don't know that, that Burroughs, Pops, or, and or their family name carries any weight in the NFL. So what influence would they have to be able to make that happen? So I think they, they picked a couple of examples. Oh, well, well, Elway did it. Oh, oh, Manning did it. Man, first of all, you know, that was 20, 30 years ago. And secondly, who cares? Like, who cares? Nobody, nobody said, let's, let's look at, at the Cleveland Browns. They're something ridiculous, you know, when it comes to, I know, right? When it comes to, to, you know, the last 10 years, you look at the last 10 years, their record is terrible. You want to talk about ruining quarterbacks? Since they came back in 99, remember that jersey that has like 17,000 names on the back of it with all the different quarterbacks' last names on it that were right. Cleveland Browns quarterbacks, right? Yeah. We've, we've had like two or three total in that entire time frame. I think it was John Kidna to Carson Palmer to Andy Dalton, period. That's it. And so, yeah. you know, to to point out Cincinnati is a place that ruins quarterbacks, to point out you know, it's a place that, um, you know, quarterbacks go to die and all, all this other trash that, that people are talking. I get it. You don't like the franchise. They're not, they're not the, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. They're not, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're, they're not that flashy, cool, you know, place. But, you know, I, sorry, it is what it is, man. So yeah. let's go ahead and draft Tom Burrow and make this stuff happen. Now, in, 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 in defense, I'll play devil's advocate. In defense of Colin Cowherd, Dan Patrick, and a few others, well, hell, check that, many others, um, mm-hmm. and you alluded to it yourself, Mike Brown is not the most uh, astute person in the world when it comes to football, right? He's a hell of a businessman. I mean, he finessed the yep. city and a county out of $400 plus million to build that stadium that's only being used eight times doing it your regular season, okay? Straight, straight, fleeced. <laughs> fleeced. This thing, the, the biggest finesse of all time, probably. Um, but the point is, they're known as a very, I'm be kind when I say this, frugal organization, has a small scale department. They don't have an out, they don't have an indoor practice facility. They do not have they, 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 they just, they just, they, they just don't have a whole lot, right? Right. They, they haven't, you know, they begin the way with not having much. Since Paul Bunyan, because Paul Brown, got rest his soul, 
actually knew what the hell he was doing when it came to football, right? He was a football guy. He was a coach of the Cleveland Browns, coached the legendary Jim Brown, Otto Graham, and many others, um, founded the Bengals, as we all know, and led them to their glory years in the 70s and 80s. Not many people know, by the way, how good the Bengals were in the 1970s. They, they, right. they got lost because the Pittsburgh's dominant. And later in the decade, Houston was really good. But, got, but what was lost in that, the, the discussion of the 70s were the Bengals were pretty damn good. And, yeah. you know, and of course, we all know what happened in the 80s, starting from the 1981 season, they took off. They, went, they were in the stratosphere as far as uh, uh, being there and being in the discussion year after year after year. I mean, they were uber competitive with the two Super Bowls, lost both to the 49ers. Frankly, should have won the second one against the 49ers, but that's not a hint over there. But the point is, 100%. is that, yeah, if that if your cornerback had a hell on to that ball when Joe Montana threw it right to him on that final uh, drive, but anyway, I won't drag him. Uh, uh, why, why, why are you doing this to me, man? Why, why are you doing this? Like, I, thought, I thought we were cool. <laughs> I just remember that game. I was like, how old was I? I was that was eighty nine season, right? So I was yeah. maybe fifteen years old watching that game yeah. and maybe fourteen or fifteen. Um and I remember to this very day, my brother's a big Fort Allen's fan and I could have sworn that was a Bengals game the way. I could have sworn you're gonna take that home. But anyway, I won't bring up that music. But the point is, is that you guys had it going on in the seventies and the eighties, but when Paul Brown passed I think it was the past of 1990 or 2000. I mean, not 1990 or 1991. They haven't won yeah, a 12 game since 1996. No, so, that, that is correct. So, I mean, I think the, the perception is valid, right, yeah. from the standpoint of – you're right. They don't have, a, they don't have an uh, outdoor practice facility. Um, they, are, they are known as a, quote, unquote, frugal slash – cheap team, which I think is a big mm-hmm. um a bit of a misnomer. Like you go back and look at some of the contracts that they have signed and especially if you play for the Bengals, they don't really have yeah. a lot of problem with paying you, right? It's it's more so the okay. structure of the contracts. So um the All Bengals right. don't believe in front loading, you know, contracts and, and giving a lot of money up front. Right. They want you to if I sign you for a five year deal, I'm going to give you, you know, market value. I'm going to give you good money and I expect you to play for those five years. And you'll see that most teams, what they'll do is, you know, sign a cap for five years, but they'll never see the last two, sometimes three years of that contract. So all that money doesn't really matter. So players want guaranteed money up front, whatever. The Bengals don't really do that. Because, look, you play for me, most of the time, you're going to end up seeing the end of that five-year contract. Players are like, mm, that's not how it usually works, so I'm going to need that money up front, cash value. Bengals are like, nah, we'll put it in the contract. You'll get it. Just keep, you know, just hang with me. And so that's kind of, it's more of a structure issue than it is actually Bengals being cheap if you will, and not wanting to pay players. Because look at the contracts for guys like Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Andy Dalton. I mean, it had Andy Dalton literally just won a playoff game, he was over a $100 million quarterback. So it's not like they 
don't pay people. They they just have a reputation for one not paying outside folks, which the Steelers don't really do that. Green Bay Packers don't really do that. You know what I mean? And those are two successful franchises that you know the Bengals try to model themselves after. The bigger issue sure. comes in, which is the other piece that you kind of brought up, which is the 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 scouting and you know if you're going to rely so heavily on the draft, then mm-hmm. you have to hit home runs every draft. Like you just can't you can't afford to miss, right? And so with a with a small you know with a small scouting department um, by comparison to the rest of the league, and then by you know putting the extra burden on the the, the coaches to really you know be a part of that scouting piece, which honestly I don't mind so much. I mean I think it actually hey if I'm I can't remember what coach was it. Um, Ah, man, I can't remember what coach it was, but that was like, basically, if you want me to cook the dinner, you should allow me to buy the groceries, right? Um, Parcells. Yeah, there you go, Parcells, right. Um, And so, you know, hey, if if you're going to expect me to throw a product out on the field, then I should probably have some sort of say that says, yeah, I want that dude, I don't want that dude, give me that dude, you know. Um, because I know what my scheme is, and I know you know how I want how I want them to fit in that scheme. So some of that I like. I don't like it that it's probably probably too much lean upon the coaches to do that. But I don't mind that they're involved at all. Yeah, I got you. I mean, look. I mean, to your point, the Bengals are such an easy punching bag because they don't start much trouble. They're not as chaotic again as the Cleveland Browns. The Washington, the Washington team, I see it's called by the nickname. And uh, you and me both. Dallas Cowboys. They, 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 they do not cause as much drama as those teams. It's just that Mike Brown, to your point, he's an 80, he is, he is an 84-year-old dude who masquerades as a GM because they don't mm-hmm. have a general manager. And you remember that episode on Hard Knocks, right, where Marvin Lewis and them were sitting in the room and talking about who they're going to replace as, I don't know, was it a tight end? Something like that. And, yep. and, and so you probably know the episode. Um, yep. Mike Brown sitting in the room with them saying, well, can we just use it as a defensive end or some shit? What was what he saying? Yep. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I don't remember the player's name, but basically, yeah, can we just use this cat and put him a tight end? And then they just took the camera and panned around the room, and every dude was kind of looking at each other like, are you for real? Are you serious right now? Like, for real serious? <laughs> uh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. They don't look at you like, uh, what? What? <laughs> like, I think at first it's kind of like, he's joking, right? Nah, he's joking. No, he's not joking. Oh, shit, he's not joking at all. Dang it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess we could try it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man, the look on those cats' faces, man. Those coaches' faces, I felt bad for them. I, 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 I really did. Um, but the point is, is this, man? It is what it is, and this is what I think. I think you guys quite as kept. Y'all were a lot of injuries away. I mean, you guys are playing with a, like a, 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 a an XFL unit out there. Like stands like a few players, like a Taj, the Taj boy, but a 
a a uh, that that boy kid, Tyler. Tyler uh, Boyd. I mean, y'all had so many injuries to quarterback position, obviously, and the offensive line, your offensive line, y'all drafted last year, got hurt and what was it? Then he camp or some well, shit heck, like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Before yeah. before the season even started. Yeah, and then you so had AJ you go down before the season started. AJ went down, right? Yeah. AJ Green went down, yeah. and so now you hope that the, the, the hope is that they all come back healthy, and you right. know, but, you know, I, it, this is why I think. I think you guys, just all y'all, you just need to, to draft good players, obviously, but outside of quarterback, I need to draft a lot of that because you guys, again, yeah. y'all are matching the unit last season. And uh, you guys were competitive half the time. I mean, hell, you beat down Cleveland over the end of the season. I, I like that a lot. But the point is, <laughs> is that you, you, you guys, it just goes to give you a glimpse of what might have been, you know, the last game of the season. Uh, yeah, I also feel oh, like what? you know you you take a, a rookie coaching staff that was kind of cobbled together last minute. Right, because you had Zach Taylor come in, but it wasn't until after the Super Bowl. So he got a late jump on putting his staff together. I really thought that he was going to bring in uh, Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator, but for whatever reason, they had philosophical differences. And so then he went through probably three or four other guys before landing on uh, Lou and Arumo. Um, And so, you know, I think some of some of it was just growing pains, right? I, I'm trying to evaluate a roster that I don't really know very well because I'm coming from, not only am I coming from the NFC, I'm coming from the NFC West. I hardly ever watch AFC North games, right? You know, I mean, I might yeah. watch Pittsburgh because they're on TV or I might watch Baltimore because they're on TV or this past season, maybe Cleveland because they were just the media darlings of the world, but they were terrible. So, you know, you you don't really get the opportunity to see the Bengals. And so I'm coming from the West Coast. I don't really have any idea of who the players are. Yeah, I know they got Mixon. I think they got Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah, the A.J. Green, too. Yeah, I know he's good. You know, Atkins. But as far as really knowing the players and really understanding, you know, the the, the, the offseason, the 90-man roster, and figuring out, okay, who can do what, who can't do what, who do I think can do what, and oop. I thought he could. Maybe he can't. Okay. And so I'm. I, there was just a lot of experimentation and trying to f- understand themselves as coaches, not on top of let's figure out how to win this game and let's figure out how to game plan and let's figure out, you know, can my players perform and are they bought into the system? There was just so much change. And then you throw on top of that, you know, your – Hopefully, franchise left tackle goes down before this season starts. Your potential NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver goes down and doesn't play a single snap all season. Um, yeah. You know, you got – yeah, I mean, like, you, you, you have all these injuries, and every team has injuries, but, man, that's pretty – those are pretty devastating injuries to happen to a first-year head coach just coming in, trying to figure things out, and now you tell me right off the top, well, your best offensive lineman who you drafted and your number one wide receiver are both done for the year. Good luck. Have at it. You know? And so it just made it for it. It just made for a very, very difficult beginning that I don't think anybody anticipated. And kudos to them for being able to win, you know, two of the last four games. 
once they finally got, it, it took forever and took probably way longer than they wanted it to. But the fact that the players stayed together and played hard and played strong for them uh, throughout the whole season is probably the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, I agree on that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get, it's a whole hell of a lot of moving parts. We we get that. But I just, I think it's laughable to see, <laughs> to see the media. And, again, I say media, I mean, call, the likes of Colin Cowherd, and um, what's his face, Dan Patrick and company, a host of others, and to see y'all's reaction in that, uh, as Kyle states, that the state of Ohio's reaction to him. I mean, he, if he ever stepped, stepped his foot in the state of Ohio, I would, I would have to pray for him. <laughs> because, dude, between <laughs> Cleveland and this city, and probably places in between, he won't make it out of this state alive. <laughs> no, no, like that. And yeah, you're real. No, that's real. <laughs> yeah, you are one hundred percent correct. Let me get you out here on this, man. Let's let's let's, let's end on something light here. All, right. All this talk about, I, I know, and to your point, it's, it's early. It's it's an off season. The dog days of February, if you will, the dropping until two months from now. Um, let's talk about his. Small hands, this little bitty hands, you know, with the hand size. You know how scouts do, the personnel do. They measure the, the, the hand size, foot size, head size, and all that stuff. And not hangnail size. His eyelashes, head. his eyelashes are too long. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hangnail. Yeah. They have a hangnail. Shit like that. It's like right. watching the tape and going from there. Um. And to the point where, and this book really crapped me up. Cowherd always throwing the pot right. He's he's like the ultimate troll. <laughs> God love him. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. he said well, that tour was applying that tour was better than Burrow. Never mind the fact that Burrow actually beat tour head to head, right? And Tuscaloosa at that, right. and that Burrow right. won a national title playing in the SEC beating the defending national champs in Clemson along the way, and setting records for proficiency, accuracy. Yeah, what, 60 touchdown passes? Yes, sir. And five more rushing. Oh, see. <laughs> yes, sir. He's fucking with y'all, man. I don't know why y'all worried about him. He's yeah. fucking with you. But anyway, <laughs> the, I mean, the point is, is it's this. Um, and then our friend AJ Smith, by the way, from Twitter, our fellow Cincinnatian, he said, "Wait, oh Lord, two will be girl <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> it's 2018." Anyway, speaking of funny guy, um, but the point is, <laughs> can you can we can you can can you please tell Bingo Nation that story this year? I know that he's catching light in the bottle, but I don't think Bengals fans have anything to worry about too much. I mean, he's a again, sure he had one year sample size. I get it. Well, actually two years, but he just yeah. Bought I mean, out, he bought out the pro this past season. Um, if you look, if you look at the last his, if you look at the last half of last year, and then obviously all of this year. 
the things that really, really stand out about Joe Burrow that you like. And, you know, I, I don't expect him to come to the NFL and throw 60 touchdown passes and, you know, <clears throat> be this transcendent quarterback that no one has ever seen before. I don't expect that. But here's what I do expect. The kid's pocket presence is Brady-esque. And don't I'm not trying to pretend like he's Tom Brady and have – our homeboy, AJ, loses mind and be like, you called him Tom Brady and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is his pocket presence and his awareness, the subtle, the subtle moves that he makes within the pocket in order to, you know, avoid the rush, in order to avoid pressure and buy that extra half a second, that extra second to hit an open receiver, those are huge. If you watch Andy Dalton play, Andy Dalton – you know, exits clean pockets. Andy Dalton gets skittish feet and, and, and tries to create things where you don't necessarily have to do that. Give me another half a beat. Take a step forward. Take a step left. Take a step right. Avoid that rush. Deliver the ball. That's something that I'm not sure can be taught. He just seems to naturally feel that and be able to, to navigate that. The other thing, he's always been a very accurate quarterback. They, you know, the biggest knock is, hey, he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm all right with that. As long as he can throw the ball and put it where it needs to be, again, referencing who he's taking over for, I've watched way too many times on third and 10, fourth and 15, and whatever, Andy Dalton drops back, and that pass down the sidelines goes out of bounds by a yard and a half, two yards, three yards, where you're like, you didn't even give them a chance to make a play, dude. And so if Burrow can do those two things, one, navigate the pocket, and two, deliver an accurate ball that's on time, I think you will see an improvement from the Bengals and, and a uh, success, a level of success with the Bengals that you just didn't see, especially when it comes to the playoffs with, with Dalton. And the third piece is, to me, that that confidence, that swagger, that cockiness, you know, not not Baker Mayfield immaturity, but just an air and a confidence, a quiet confidence about him that says, I can do this. I can play this game, and I know I can do it. Give me those three things, and if he's just as good as Andy but has pocket presence, accuracy and a bit of swag to them, I can deal with that. Cool. Hey, man, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about this on Bengals Twitter in like another few minutes with our friends, our Cincinnati pals. So <laughs> it should it should yes, be sir. one big, big discussion. But we're going to talk before the draft at least a couple more times uh, because I'm sure more news will come out about this Bengals and Burrow hubbub that the media is – up. Anyway, hey, thanks for joining me, brother. We'll talk to you. Anytime, man. I'll holler at you. All right, 06. All right, 06, right. That's my guy, Andre Edwards. Please uh, check his workout on lockedonbingles.com. Um, man, it's a trip, man, living here in Cincinnati, man, with Bengals fans. It's 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 a trip, but it makes it fun, especially particularly with me as a Steelers fan. But anyway, to join me now is my partner, Y'all know him from the yard, such as HBCU Sports, who raps about all things HBCU Sports, and from Sleazy Radio on Facebook Live every Tuesday night with his crew. Dwayne Nash is in the house. How you doing, brother? Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. 
Man, it is it is a very, very busy week, week and a half in terms of sports for me. Um CIAA regular season closed this past weekend. CIAA tournament began yesterday. NFL Combine starts officially, well, for me officially, tomorrow when the guys get out on the field and start doing their their uh, exercises, not the measurements and all that stuff, but the exercises, the, the 40 times and the reps and all that stuff, that's the stuff I like to watch. So that starts for me uh on on tomorrow and then MIAC indoor track and field championships is this weekend as well. Our beloved alma mater North Carolina A and T is ranked both men and women in the nation. Not just for not for just MIAC in the nation. So I mean among mm-hmm. the other great track and field teams like your Florida's, like your Arkansas's, your Houston's, your USC's, LSU's. They're up there with those big boys, and I'm going to go ahead and see them live in, in color this weekend when they come into town. All right. Cool. Coolness, 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 coolness. Um, uh, let's just get to this. So you heard this last discussion before we get to the fight about yes. Joe Brown, the Bengals, with the media and everything else saying that he shouldn't sign it, should pull an airway and this <laughs> like, is hilarious. I mean, you can tell we're in the dog days of the NFL offseason because no one has yeah. shit to talk about. Let's be real about it. Um, but you heard my man who, who does work, who contributes to the, the Bengals website, uh, which is a damn good website, but, you know, by the way, com, And, you know, other fans have been chirping here in the area and in Cleveland alone. I always joke that if, 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 if uh, if if Calher ever stepped his foot in the sale of Ohio between Cincinnati and Cleveland alone, he would not make it out in, in, in as he would he wouldn't take it out in one piece. But what's your take on the whole Burrow slash Bengals saga? Is a media creation? Should there be some merit there? Should there what the hell do you make of it right right quick? You know what? Um well First and foremost, you were comment about Colin Cowherd. There's certain spots in Chinatown here in D.C. Uh, around the Capital One Arena where he might not want to uh, step foot around either because of his comments <laughs> about a young John Wall. Right. And, and, no, we have not right. forgotten yeah, about that either. Wall. That's right. Yeah, That's so, right. you know, complaining about him and Dougie, you know. But, you know, I, I digress. If, if, if he was to talk about him going to the club too much, okay, cool. But the, the Dougie and comments weren't necessary, but I digress. Now, to your, your yeah. statement, to answer your question, you know what? I really don't know, man. Like you said, this is the dog days of the NFL. And and the biggest thing, of course, coming up next is the NFL draft. And, and everyone right now is jockeying for something in terms of draft position, draft capital, uh, potentially trading current players that you have for draft picks. Man, <laughs> and people are throwing other teams off. But my thing is, if you're the number one overall, if you have the number one overall pick, you don't necessarily have to throw anyone off because you can take who you want. It doesn't even matter. But the comments that are coming out, I, I have no idea. But, of course, everyone's analyzing every minuscule statement down to, to, to body mannerisms 
down to voice cadence in terms of how he says certain words. He had an inflection when he said Bengals. It's a possibility he don't want to go to Cincinnati because his voice had a higher pitch. Come on, man. It's all crazy. But the thing is, it's it's all up to the front office of the Cincinnati Bengals to decide whether or not to to believe everything that's being said or to ignore it. You just go ahead. You have your meetings coming up. You'll have your, your, your pro day for him sometime uh, early next month, and then you make your decision from there. You have a whole month and a half to do so. If you want to get out of that number, if you want to get out of that number one spot, or if you feel as though that tour is is the guy. I mean, I understand. I heard you guys talk about how uh, Joe looked against Tua this past year, but you got to remember, in the beginning of the season, it was tank for Tua, and that's where everybody, even with the Miami Dolphins, when they started their season off as poorly as they did. But who knows? Who really knows? And I, and I guess that's the dice game when it comes to the NFL draft, man. We really don't know until they actually get out to the field. But, yeah, this whole hand measurement thing, it, it's, it's, it's something that I enjoy, but it's something that I find laughable. And, and that's what every aspect as it pertains to the draft, every aspect to, to the measurements, to the, the, the comments about the tape, to the negative comments about the tape. It's all funny to me. Yeah, it's, it, it is what it is to me. Again, it's just shit to talk about right now. You got to jumbo content somewhere, so stick with the yeah. So Let's just get to the fight, bro. Let's get to the fight. Now, mm-hmm. if you're anything like me, you did not see this um, the, this, this fight, this, this, the way the fight ended coming. Not like this. I, I, look, look, I know. Like, <laughs> I can understand maybe Fury winning in 12, with the full 12 rounds. I thought that I thought that Wilder was going to knock him out again, but mm-hmm. I had no idea that Fury not only would beat him at his ass, but TKO him. And yeah. Then to the point where he had to throw in the towel, which by the way he threw out the bus and fire, but we'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. dude, I'm speechless. I did not see this coming. I, I did not see this coming whatsoever. Because Fury is a is a skilled boxer, he's very skilled. He's old school. He's nimble for a big man, and mm-hmm. big by big foot, nine inches tall, two hundred eighty plus pounds. And the way he beat down Wilder, wow! All I have to say about that is wow. Yeah. Um... I watched Tony Atlas on Get Up. I normally don't watch Get Up, but I'm glad that I watched this particular segment with him because he legit explained exactly what happened. Um, and, it, and it all makes sense when we're watching the fight. Um, he, Fury had him beat since the opening bell. And the one thing that, that uh, Tony Atlas said was that with a, a puncher, that's how they broke down the two, the two fighters, Fury is a boxer. Uh, uh, Wilder is, is a is a is a fighter, and to diminish the the, the abilities of a of a fighter or a bully like Wilder likes to be, because he is such a, a strong puncher, what you have to do is keep him off balance and keep him moving backwards. If you watch the fight, Fury had Wilder moving backwards at least at least 
95% of that fight. The, that, that majority of the time, he's moving backwards. He's falling back on the ropes. And while doing so, he's hitting him with quality punches. Now, right. you get to the part where he, he busts his eardrum in, like, round four, round five, that doesn't help his equilibrium and his, uh, his equilibrium, Sadate, um, either. So, of course, he's losing his balance. But I just thought it was interesting, one, that during the fight, you can hear the commentators say that he's, look, he's looking like he's losing his balance now. And then four days later, he comes out with, well, three days later, he comes out with, oh, my instrument, my ring attire uh, that I wore to the ring was 40 pounds, and because of that's it, I lost my leg to my ring, too. I hate when people make excuses like that. You got, you got a bad <laughs> You should just own it. You just own it. But you know what? No one gets... yeah, I, I'll say this. I'm not going to necessarily call yeah. him a liar, but what I will say is this. You did try it all before, before Saturday night. You knew how heavy it was. You should have had some sort of idea that, hey, if I wear this while walking to the ring, this is going to be heavy, and this might cause problems. I might not want to wear all of this to the ring. Yeah, which makes him a dumbass if he realized that, but go ahead. Exactly, and and, and that's what I was exactly (laughs) about to say. You know this going into it, but you're so hype about the fight that you chose to ignore it, but you make that walk, and you get into the ring, and you're like, oh, no. But either either way, I don't care tire legs, legs no tire legs. Tyson Fury was going to win that fight. The way, just the yeah. way that he looked throughout that fight in terms of dominating and dictating the fight to Wilder. I, I don't, tire legs, no tire legs. And then to the point I guess we're going to get to a little bit later, to throw the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the trainer, the assistant trainer, under the bus for, for throwing in the towel is a Bama move. And I'm not just saying that because he's yeah. from Alabama. That's just a Bama move. How dare you, dude? Yeah. He was concerned about you and your livelihood. And, and, and I understand what he was attempting to, what he was attempting to say or why he didn't want the towel thrown in, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's a Bama move for me. Well, the thing is, I know he said he being wild. He said he wanted to go out on his own shield. He was a yeah. warrior. He didn't want to quit. I get it. But there's something called deaths as a result of boxing, or mm-hmm. even deaths in the ring. He mm-hmm. he could not defend himself. He was off balance, like you said, since at, at, at the latest round four. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was getting pummeled. Yeah, he was getting pummeled, I and mean, he had no shot. This opening bell, basically, because Fury took it to him. And so it's up the responsibility of Breland. I think that's the trainer saying who did it in the tower. Who was in the cup? Was in the cup? It's probably himself. He probably knew He knew what was going on out there and knew what he was doing. And the other two trainers had no idea what the fuck they were doing. And if they knew what the mm-hmm. fuck they were doing, they would have, first of all, they would have made Wilder to a more well-rounded fighter. Instead mm-hmm. of just a one punch, one punch, one trip pony. Anybody exactly. can have a one good shot if you're a boxer, professional boxer. I mean, look what Fury did. Fury fired his trainer from the last fight 
because they went in with a cautious approach. You know, just boxing. He outboxed him. He outboxed mm-hmm. Wilder. And people thought he won the first fight. That's how well he outboxed him. But remember, he got knocked down twice. One in particular in the 12th round where people thought he was knocked out for good. But he got mm-hmm. up. And at that point, he threw caution to win, into the wind and just went after it. And it's one of those cases, man, where he noticed, hey, I may not have come out as what I wanted at the at the end of the first fight, but God, I discovered something. When I went at him, he was on his heel. Mm-hmm. But he was just so up on the floor because by that point, it, 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 all he could muster was a tie, was a draw rather. But I mean, it's one of those things where I mean, we saw we've seen this force before. Remember the first NBA Finals account between the Cleveland Cavaliers and Golden State Warriors? where the Warriors down two games to one. They were losing in the fourth quarter in game four. And then they decided to, to put in, not fourth quarter, but the second half. No, at, no, at the end of, no, at the end of game three, the end of game three, when they put Iguodala on uh, LeBron James and it gave him trouble. So yes. Steve Kerr looked at that, even the losing calls, and said, hey, we might have found something here. And mm-hmm. as a result, we all know what happened. The, the Warriors won the next three games, winning in the six in Cleveland, to the point where, um, uh, like, Iguodala himself was named the NBA Finals MVP of that season. So, mm-hmm. we see this force and forward where you discover something, even in losing calls, and say, hey, we'll use this next time around. And when next time comes, use it and you're successful. So, as a result, we've seen with Fury in this fight, he came out very aggressive. To the point where it shot even even wilder because when he talked all that stuff in the pregame, right, the the, free, the pregame fight press conference, conference says that he was going to go after after Wilder and say he was going to knock him out in the second round, but he was close. He knocked him down in the fourth round, <laughs> but yeah. you know he TKO'd him in the seventh round. But I mean, I tell to say this man, where does Wilder go from here? Because I don't think he can beat Fury. I think he needs a couple of tune-up fights. We all know he's going to invoke the uh, rematch clause, right? It's a matter of mm-hmm. But I think that – I don't think that he can beat uh, Fury. Not, not, not right now, not in the next year. He needs a couple of fights, did I say, about against uh, uh, Joshua and mm-hmm. another heavyweight. Um, but, hey – um, what did I know? So anyway, what, where do you think Wilder should go from here at this point? Well, he should pull a, a Wilder move. Well, not a Wilder, I'm sorry, a Fury move. He needs to go ahead, get rid of his trainer, get him a better trainer to make him a more, uh, well-rounded fighter so that he doesn't have to cons- consistently just rely so that he becomes a lot more versatile, a boxer, because he's going to need that in order to beat him. Now, it's interesting that you say that he needs to fight Joshua because there's some that believe that Fury and, and Joshua need to go at it and go ahead and get them a huge payday. I'm one of those six, by the way. I'm one of those six. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and, and as am I. As am I. And, um, you know, I would, I would love to see that fight. Um, but, yeah, I, I am in complete agreement with you. I think he needs a couple of tune-ups, one, so he can go ahead and get comfortable in a potential new style and, two, get his confidence back because 
if you listen to him after this fight, a lot of people have said this, it seems like Wilder was grasping for straws in terms of coming yeah. up with excuses on why he lost. He blamed it on the costume. He blamed it on the trainer. He blamed it on the, the referee. He, he blamed it on Fury for throwing blame punches it on late. <laughs> he, yeah. Man, he blamed it on the alcohol. He blamed it on everybody but himself. Yeah. <laughs> he blamed right. it on everybody but himself. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, man, come on. You, this is insane, dude. You, you, you got beat. The best get beat yeah. occasionally, but you got to rebound, learn from it, rebound, and come back better. And, and, and that'll be the testament on, on whether he is as great as we thought he was. You know, he came into the fight with the highest knockout ratio per, per bout in boxing history. But to, your, to the earlier comment, and I, I, I was planning on saying something tonight about this, because it concerns me when I hear boxers say this. I wanted to die on my shield. Being a big boxing guy like you are, I know you remember the the, Margarito, the second Margarito Cotto fight, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, that fight was on HBO, uh, well, pay-per-view, actually. And leading up, you know, HBO had that whole HBO 24-7. God knows I miss HBO not being in the boxing game because we miss stuff like that. Leading right. up to it, Margarito Cotto met face-to-face with Max Kellerman, and they had a, a discussion. And, of course, during said discussion, um, there was a conversation about Cotto and the fact that, you know, a lot of times he'll give up on fights when he thinks that he's had enough, even though a lot of people think that he could, could go on. And mm-hmm. Margarito says that I'm not one of those people. I am a warrior. I will. I, I if if need be, I will die in the ring. And Cotto's like, you know what? Something to live for. I have kids. I yeah. have daughters. I want to live for them. I've been, I I I've made enough money. There's no need of me dying in the ring. And for what? When I have something else to what? live for. Now that warrior mentality was cool back in the day. But the way that, you know, we've evolved in terms of our understanding of sports injuries, especially over the past 20, 25 years, I don't mind it, man. I don't mind a dude saying, you know what, dude, I can live and fight another day. I'll come back. There's no need to be being out here in a situation where I don't have it. And if you looked at, at Deontay, he did not have it, especially in the no. seventh round. All he did was just sit back in that corner with his hands up, finally, because if you notice, leading up to that moment, he's walking around the ring with his left hand down. Dude, put your guard up. You've been getting your head broken all up. night. You Why? <laughs> you want your hand down. Get your hands up. Yeah, so... At that point in time, man, yeah, you would have had enough, dog. And you would tell, you would tell after the fight, he's yelling at his, his assistant manager, talking about, so why'd you do that? Dude, did you, watch, did you see the same fight I saw? That's why I did it. Look at your ear, dog. You bleeding in your ear. Post-fight, he's sitting in the chair with a towel on his ear because you're bleeding from your ear. 
dog, that's why I stopped this fight. Did you see Rocky Four? That's why I stopped this yeah. fight. <laughs> exactly. That's why I stopped exactly. this fight. But you went ahead and you fired him. Oh. So be it, man. You know, that the one dude that cared about you, you decided to kick him out your, your corner. That lets me know that right now he's not capable of mm-hmm. learning. And it's going to take a strong-minded, strong-willed trainer to come in there and change what he is now to make him what he could mm-hmm. be. That's the only thing that's going to – that's the only way that's going to happen, man. But if, if he keeps following the path that he's following right now, man, he's going to be that what would have. And he's not a boxer. He's, a, he's, not, a, he's not a boxer. He's a, he's a, he's he's a puncher. Yeah. Fury is a boxer. Yes. Joshua is more of a boxer than he is. You know, yes. that's why, like I said, he's going to invoke the rematch clause very soon. I yeah. highly recommend against doing so because mm-hmm. unless to your point, unless Wilder shows signs to change his strategy because he has already figured out he bullied the bully. Mm-hmm. If you're a bully, you got to ask bullies in the process. You got to come up with a different plan because what Fury did was beat him at his own game. Yeah. So you got to come up with something. So that's why I think, man, I think that Wilder should take two fights at least before hooking up with Wilder, hooking up with uh, Fury again. I really do. And because the fight I want to see now is Fury versus Joshua. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. Two British dudes. Unify, the, unify those belts. Unify the division. Get over once and for all. Sell it once and for all. Yeah. And that way, at least, you talk about a trilogy. Imagine the trilogy. Imagine Fury Wilder 3 with Fury holding all the belts. And Wilder with one or two matches underneath his belt winning both. Mm-hmm. That would and, be and, and winning those fights in dominating fashion. Yeah. Yes. That would be. Holy smokes, I probably would have to buy the fight next time if that was the case. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but see, that was, that was part of the reason why I had a mild conspiracy theorist thought process at the end of this fight because my thought was, uh-huh. you know what, of course we already know there's going to be a third fight, but if right. Tyson Fury walks out of this fight and because he has a relationship with WWE, it's a huge possibility he shows up at WrestleMania this year with the belt, it's a whole lot better for him to show up with the belt than without the belt. Those wrestling fans who necessarily wouldn't watch a boxing match sees the heavyweight champion with a belt because, of course, he's walking mm-hmm. around with that linear title but nothing, uh, no strap. Now he has one. Oh, let yeah. me go see what this dude does. And now you get more eyes on a guy that traditionally probably wouldn't be on him. Yeah, yeah. We'll but at the same for, time, we'll he, he great didn't work. It's, it's great to see the heavyweight division being back, man. And it's great to see that. That's a boxing period. I hope I, so. I love that. Because I that's hope the so. Division. Yeah. No one gives a shit about the other divisions outside of the where the welterweights, but it's all about the heavyweights, man. So it's good to see the heavyweight division represented again, represented again. So we'll yeah. see. But anyway, thanks, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. We'll, maybe we'll talk. We'll have some grain alert, more grain alert sites to talk about stuff. 
stupid ass uh, uh, people on the radio just opining uh, about silly conspiracy theories and the NFL and the draft and all this shit. So, oh, get ready. <laughs> get ready because they're going to be talking about how many times somebody then lifted 220 pounds. It's going to be funny. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I'm dread that. All right, man. Take care. <laughs> you too. Peace. All right. That's my guy, Dwayne Nash. Please check him out on the Yard. So I should see sports, the rest of all things. HBCU Sports, as well as Sleazy Radio on Facebook Live every Tuesday night with his crew. Thank y'all for tuning into the podcast, The Clown Hour. This is Scott Burke signing off. Oh, soup. Peace.